Welcome to the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Nadia Dela Cruz, founder of the Wayne Dyer Wisdom community on Facebook. And if you're on Instagram, I just launched a new account at Wayne Dyer Wisdom. You can find all my social media links and more details about this podcast at NadiaDelacruz.com. Now, my guest today is the owner of loveperiod.com, selling t-shirts and clothing with the love period slogan. You may have seen Dr. Wayne Dyer wearing these shirts in several of his talks. There is certainly a great story behind all of this and I can't wait to dive in. Reverend Charles Foley, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, how are you, Nadia? Good I'm to see good. You. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> thank you for inviting me. Excited to have this conversation with you today. And I got to tell you, um, so the photos and videos of seeing Wayne Dyer wearing these shirts, and I'm wearing one now too, you can't really see because I'm behind the <laughs> microphone. I'm a real customer, folks. Um, <laughs> the, the photos that I saw of Wayne Dyer wearing the, the love shirts, love period, were really memorable for me. Mm -hmm. um, so much, in fact, that when he died in 2015, and I was heartbroken and shocked, I was looking for some kind of memorabilia, something to remember him by, something to hold on to. And one of the things that I went out and bought at that time was a love period shirt. Nice. And I went back this year for a new one. It's been five years, right? <laughs> and um, and I got curious about the man behind the message. So I'm really excited to have this opportunity to talk to you. Great. I'm happy to share. It's awesome. Yeah, it's been a while since uh, you bought a shirt. I tell you, I have to shame you there. Five years. <laughs> I know. I went too long, but yeah. I'm back. I'm um, back. That's um, what counts, back. right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's been a terrific journey of, of creating loveperiod.com and, and sharing the love shirts all over the U.S., Canada, even Australia, places in Europe. I don't regularly ship there because it's very expensive. But mm -hmm. if someone begs me, I'll go for it. <laughs> All <laughs> and, right. And as you know, Wayne Dyer spoke in Australia many times. Oh, yeah, he did. So, so wherever he spoke, I would, I would get orders from. So I could tell wherever he was any time. <laughs> How long have you been selling these shirts for? Um, I guess it's, I think it's six, seven years. I'm not too sure. Okay. I have, you know, time flies. I haven't been keeping track. I think it was at least a year before I introduced the shirt to Dr. Dyer. So you are the one that gave Dr. Wayne Dyer um, the love period shirts. Did you want to tell us about that? Sure, sure. <laughs> so as you know, they used to have these You Can Do It uh, seminars across the U.S., throughout the world. And uh, I was just starting out love period, and I thought, you know, I, I should try to give one of these shirts to someone who is spiritually inclined, who could authentically represent the message of, you know, love is what our true nature is. And uh, that's what we're, we're here born in this world to express. So I, I really didn't know that much about Dr. Dyer prior to going to that first seminar in New York City. So I, I got a ticket for the Javits Center and I went in there and this maybe 5,000 people at the uh, conference. And um, after he spoke, very terrific, I went up uh, to the stage like a lot of people do and he signs things and give him gifts. I gave him a, a, a t-shirt 
And at that time, the T-shirt was white. I gave him a white T-shirt. And he was dressed in all in black. I'm like, oh, darn. (laughs) (laughs) I should have given him a black T-shirt. So um, a whole year went by. And uh, the conference came back to New York. And I signed up. And uh, we had that terrific uh, storm hurricane back then where everything got flooded. Mm -hmm. So the uh, conference got deferred for another six months but I, I i went to the conference again and this time i brought a black long sleeve shirt <laughs> and i i enjoyed his talk as always and uh saw him at the front gave him the, the shirt and and one of my cards and um uh, that was it so uh six so did he remember you from the first time that you had given him the shirt like a year and a half before right yeah he actually didn't see the shirt i had it in a, in a bag and oh so uh he saw it afterwards but i yeah. i went to multiple conferences after that and and met his his daughters and he he knew me to see me but we never really connected and spoke so uh, his daughter always said, oh, we should have had you up on stage. And I was like, no, that's okay. I'll, you know, because <laughs> I, I, yeah. would go, I would go to those conferences and I would hand out hundreds of my cards, you know, the, uh, the, the uh, Daily Love re- re- Resolution cards with his picture. I love picture. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but this picture here, as the story goes, so I, I gave him the black shirt. And six months later, I get an email from this uh, lovely lady in Los Angeles. And she's like, are you the person who uh, are selling the love shirts? I was like, yes. And she's like, well, do you know that uh, Dr. Dyer is wearing your love shirt? And he was uh, just in Nova Scotia. And someone took this this picture. <laughs> so she sent me the picture and uh, several other pictures. And uh, I sent her a love shirt. And then um, from that point on, he started wearing the shirt wherever he spoke. So I could tell... If he was in San Francisco, I'd get some orders there. I'd get yeah. orders wherever he was speaking. And uh, and then if he was on the East Coast, I would make sure I'd go to the conferences and uh, and hand out my cards and, and say hi to his daughters. And uh, I, I knew the teleprompter lady who took all the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I started to, you know, learn, be introduced to some of the people behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, they never really went, you know, uh, Hale House is all into their books, not so yeah. much. But uh, the message was there. And then um, he was doing his last uh, PBS special. Mm-hmm. And his uh, crew or the, the Hale House people called me and asked if I would mind if he wore the love shirt on the, uh, the last PBS special. Wow, was, what an uh, honor. I had to think about that one. <laughs> Let me get back to you. I need to sleep on that one. <laughs> but they had to make a, a shirt just for him because if he wore the white font, it didn't really show up well. So they, oh. they made a shirt with uh, like a light blue font. Yeah. And if you notice, it's really not love period because to make a, a love period shirt, it's two different fonts. So. Oh. If you do one font, the period is actually a square. So if you look at the, at that last PBS show, it's love square. But oh, nevertheless, it, it was so exciting. We were watching it in our basement, you know, the, the man cave with my kids and, and my wife. And we were counting the, the number of times he said love period. 
he, <laughs> he said it like six times and we're like little kids on the couch jumping up and down. <laughs> yeah, that's our shirt. Yeah. That's it. That's Wayne Dyer. We know him. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't that a Navy shirt with a light blue? Exactly. Um, writing on it? Yeah, yeah. I he must have had several because I remember him in that blue one. And what a powerful talk yeah. that was with... Um, I can see clearly now right. um, his his book. That's one of my favorite books, the one that he almost didn't write because he said he was he was done writing books. And he's like, I don't need to prove anything to anyone. Yeah. I told my kids I'm done. And then like <laughs> the next day he woke up and he started writing um, basically his memoir. And um, yeah. yeah, that's re that's really neat that you connected with him in that way. I, I think you picked a great um, speaker, a great representation, because especially I would say maybe in the last 10 years of his career, mm -hmm. he was getting more and more into the heart of only love, only love, only, only love, right? right? Yeah. That that was, it was, the message was becoming distilled into, you know, something that kind of transcends words. And love, I think, is the closest that, that we can, that we can get to that. Right. Even some of his workshops in Hawaii, where he, he focused on love, were really, uh, uh, life-changing for many people for sure yeah i saw him in maui he was talking about change your thoughts change your life mm -hmm. uh living the wisdom of the Tao, um and that had such an impact on me and i think seeing him like it wasn't in his house obviously right but it was it was like his home you know he walked over from his condo mm -hmm. to to where the speech was happening it's just you know steps away and he was just so at home there and there's something about um, there's something about Hawaii that really um, touches my soul. I know a lot of people feel that. Yeah. And even the conferences, there would be maybe 4,000, 5,000 people there. But he was so approachable. Mm -hmm. And the, 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 the energy of love that filled the uh, Javits Center or wherever the conference was, was mm -hmm. really tremendous. And um, I'm just, you know, happy-go-lucky uh, walking around to everybody and, and in my VIP seat, handing out my little love cards and, uh, yeah. you know, wishing everyone well. So Yeah, uh, when I got my shirt and I saw that, that little card in the package, I was like, oh, I love this. Like, yeah. I'm saving this card. This is, this is really great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so what made you want to start Love Period? What's the history behind that? Sure. Well, um, I had my little spiritual wake-up call after 9-11. Uh, Mm. So um, my wife and I uh, were married prior to that in 94, and we had started to attend a unity church here in, in Valley Stream, Long Island. And um, pr prior to that, I really, I was raised in one denomination, but really didn't connect. So I started to get uh, the seeds of truth uh, after I got married and, and started to attend church regularly. But uh, the, the church uh, would have fall conferences or fall retreats. And uh, when our kids were born, I'd always say, oh, Sarah, you go. I'll stay home with the kids. You know, I, <laughs> I, I don't need the, the, the retreat. So 9-11 came and I worked downtown across the street. And as you can imagine, I saw a lot of that. Um, uh, what's the word we want? Well, all the all the damages and, and carnage that happened that day. And um, it really put me in a state of shock. 
And so when the fall retreat came that year, I said, okay, I'll go to that retreat. So my, my mother took our two kids and we went to the re retreat. And the retreat was all about, no longer about the God out there, but the God within you or the Christ within you. And that was a, a big shift in my perspective. You know, I always prayed to a God out there and, uh, and heaven was a place that you, you could get only after you died. So um, I really put all my heart and soul into that. And uh, I had a couple little wake-ups. Uh, I was writing out my check on Sunday. It was a Saturday and Sunday retreat. And I, I was writing out my check for my tithe. And I looked at my check register. And I saw that there was no entries in it for two months. So I was like, whoa, where was I for two months since 9-11 to that point? So I was really out of my norm. And so I went to bed that night and I was totally exhausted from the whole retreat, giving my all to it. And uh, I was woken up the next morning, uh, kind of like Dr. Dyer would always talk about being woken up early in the morning by spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, 313. Yeah. <laughs> so mine was more like 515. <laughs> uh, but the spirit woke me up and, and said two things that, you know, you never forget. Said uh, to be still and let God be God. And uh, Jesus is my way shower. And um, it wasn't like words that I can hear from you. It was like words that kind of filled my body. And I sat up in my bed immediately. I looked over at my wife, Sarah. She's sound asleep. And I was like, you know, what was that? And uh, it was so enormous, the feeling, that it was even hard to put into words. I, could, I didn't even tell my wife. Uh, I tried to tell my minister, but every time I approached him, I just couldn't get it out. So that went on for the whole year. And I, I went to the retreat the next year. And they had the, uh, the Friday evening introduction. And that's when I, I just let it all out. And from that point on, I started applying myself more dil dil diligently in my studies. Uh, you know, I, I attend a Unity Church, and they have all these classes, spiritual enrichment classes. I started mm -hmm. taking all these classes. I'd, I'd spend uh, summer times, two weeks out in the summer, out in Kansas City in Lee Summit, Missouri, where they have uh, the headquarters. I take classes at other Unity churches. Any class I could get to enrich myself and prepare myself to become a minister, I was taking and building up that, that consciousness. So, um, so at the same time, I'm still doing my nine to five. And I had a one-on-one a -on -one interview with my boss. I was in a large financial uh, uh, brokerage firm and the head auditor came and had a one-on-one -on -one meeting with me and he asked me Charles where do you see yourself in five years so I was like oh darn it what do I that's tell that's a loaded him? question <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what do I tell him do I tell him I want I'll be the best auditor you've ever had in five years <laughs> or do I do I tell him the truth so I said well in five years I see myself being a minister so um that took courage yeah. to say that. So he, he was receptive to it because his daughter was actually going to a ministerial school at the time. Oh. But a couple years left uh, after that, I left the firm anyway. But, <laughs> but I, I told him the truth. And 
within that, from that point to five years later, I had some hiccups in my, my journey to becoming a minister, but it was five years to that date that I actually became a minister with this group called The Voice for Love. And The Voice for Love is all about embodying that spirit, the, the, the still small voice within you, and letting that guide your life. So it was kind of aha that from five years from the point I said, I'm going to be a minister to the point I became a minister, what actually came, th came true. So um, we had a retreat where we, uh, the class, it's a year long program, online program. And we had our final retreat in St. John's in the Virgin Islands, which was a nice place to have a retreat. And sure. It was a, <laughs> it was a echo, echo resort. And it was one of the best vacations I've, I've ever had. But we had a, a weekend retreat. And it was a great celebration. And at that retreat, I always had an idea of creating a website around love period. So I had previously gotten a shirt that said love. It wasn't period, though. It was a square. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong font. Exactly. <laughs> so we broke off into groups of four or five pe people per group, and we started brainstorming how we could uh, bring our ministry forward. And so my ministry was all about love. And that's where I, I envisioned creating a website where I could encourage people to uh, live by their true nature. And I wanted to market these shirts, which to me are just a reminder, like a stop sign to, to remind ourselves that we are love and that's our true nature. So, and, and when you're wearing the shirt, it's, it's really hard to be something other than love. <laughs> <laughs> and you get so many terrific uh, responses to uh, when people see the love. So uh, it, it's been a real blessing since uh, that time. And, and one of the ladies in that group, her husband is a web designer. So he uh, designed the web for a nominal price. And uh, originally I was going to put it under a... Uh, URL called uh, putgodfirst.com, which is an, another URL I had owned previously, but it didn't feel right. So I went on to uh, the website where you can find the domain, domain registration. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I used to be a web designer. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, life. and there was loveperiod.com. And I, I made them an offer. And they actually came down and they made me a very reasonable offer. And I, I bought the domain. Mm, you had to haggle for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it was, well, it was very nominal. So it was good. It was great. You got it. It was meant to be yours. Yeah. Uh, it feels like this is a, a message that was coming through you. Isn't it interesting how you have that awakening, you have that moment, you know, you're receiving those messages. Some people call it hearing a voice, but I totally agree right. with you. It's usually not an audible voice. It's like a, it's, it's like a thought download. And right. then you think, oh gosh, is my life going to change now? Is my life going to change? And it does, oh, yeah. but it's <laughs> never, it's never at the speed that you think it's going to be. It always takes a lot longer. Mm -hmm. um, I think yeah. we've lost your video here. I see it. 
might just be on my end. Okay. <laughs> I hope so. So it's interesting how things can really take time to manifest, but once they've been set in motion, um, you know, it's almost like there's no stopping it. Like it will happen according to, to divine timing. Yeah. And so the sales of shirts in love period incrementally increased year after year. Uh, so, and I can give that thanks to Dr. D Dyer. So, uh, you know, like it was like 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. Um, not a crazy amount, you know, mm -hmm. and, and uh, I, I took whatever I, I made from that. I helped to support my two children who were going through college. So I, I was grateful for that. But the real thing is that not everyone got the message. You know, so many people saw Dr. Dyer and not those who connect really connect. And the others yeah. just, uh, they don't. So, um, you know, I thought after he had his PBS special and he kept saying, love period, love period, <laughs> you know, there would be a more of a, a connection. Um, but to be honest, the biggest connection that people felt was after he passed. Mm. And it, it's kind of what we, we do in life a lot. You know, we, we don't celebrate the presence uh, right here. I think it might be that we're trying to hold on to something yeah. um, like I I feel a yearning to put pictures of loved ones who have passed mm -hmm. um, even more than a yearning to put pictures of loved ones that are here mm -hmm. because I feel like the ones that have died, I can't see them anymore. And that's a way to continue to see them. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, I think I experienced something similar that you're talking about when Wayne Dyer died. I, I wanted a piece to hold on to him. Um, I wanted, to, you know, something to almost keep the memory going. Mm -hmm. And, and that's when I went out and looked for the, for the shirt. Right. Um, because it was, it was a, it was something that I connected to him and his message and actually consider getting a love tattoo at the time. I never did. <laughs> um, but I was really just trying to think like, like Wayne Dyer has been such a huge influence on, on my life for, for so long. It's something you can't really quantify. And um, I, I didn't want to lose that. I didn't want to let go of that. And so it may be that we appreciate those more when they're gone, but I think sometimes we're just more actively trying to hold on. Right. And, and I actually had a dream of him shortly after his passing that, uh, you know, he, he came in a dream and he, he's, he was telling me, I'm just in the room next door. So, oh. so if you, you know, have anything, just, just ask. And uh, I, felt, I found that very comforting. So I think that's so true. So many people have had dreams of Wayne. I've, I've had dreams of Wayne periodically. I didn't when he died. Mm -hmm. I had a dream of Ram Dass like a few days before he passed, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but Wayne, no, no. But I do, I do see him sometimes in dreams, and it feels like a visitation. It feels like he's really, um, you know, right there yeah. in spirit and... I mean, I definitely believe in that. I think that we're spiritual beings having a human experience. That's something that he probably introduced to me originally. Um, but yeah, that love message, I think, is everything. And um, I know he did a, a talk one time with Esther Hicks, who's channeling Abraham. Right. And I, I remember her talking about love in that too. And it's just, 
it's kind of frustrating because I feel like the words almost fail us. Mm -hmm. But if you feel it, then you feel it. And I think, um, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. <laughs> yeah. um, and he was all about so, meditation, too. Yeah. And so that I, I think a lot of us don't take that time to to really connect through meditation. And and it's a practice that you have to do consistently and persistently and fervently. You know, you have to have some emotional connection with it. So, I, you know, he, he was really adamant about his meditation practices and, and all the insights and connect, connectivity that he had through meditation. And prayer and meditation are one and the same. It's our communion with our true self. And, and so it, it's, it's a very important piece of uh, our life that we should be put into practice that he definitely modeled for all of us, all of us. Yeah, I definitely see a big connection between prayer and meditation. I think they say prayer is talking to God and meditation is listening. Yeah. Although you can listen in prayer as well, so it can go both ways. Yeah. Um, what's your so what's your spiritual practice look like? So most days uh, I I don't even set an alarm clock. I, I'm just woken up by spirit usually five o'clock, and I, I go downstairs and and. Uh, do some reading and some meditation every morning. And um, so I, I'll spend an hour in that. And then I'll get ready for my nine to five job. So, uh, you know, I have a full full life with uh, work life still. Mm -hmm. And I'll be not, it's really eight till whenever. You know, <laughs> now with COVID, everyone works from home and it, it's difficult to unplug. So yeah. we're working constantly. But then with the ministry, I'm now the minister of uh, the church I've always belonged to. And so uh, Fridays, Saturday nights, I'm preparing my lesson for Sunday. And uh, so it's, it's a pretty full life, to say the least. So you are a reverend at Unity Church? Yeah, it's uh, Unity Church of Christianity in Valley Stream, Long Island. Mm -hmm. It's the same church that uh, my wife and I have been going to for since 94. Wow. Yeah. And, kind of comes full circle. You probably didn't picture yourself up there when you first started going. I actually didn't. You know, it's who knew that I'd have a, a wake up call like I had and who knew I'd be as, you know, church was a, a something I never really connected to. But as uh, Dr. Dyer said, is it's um, one of his quotes was I, I wrote, had here is heaven is a state of mind, not a not a location. Mm. And you can say that the same thing about church. Church is not yeah. a, a building. It's a state of consciousness. So wherever you are, church is. And if you're in prayer, you're in communion with God. So, um, I mean, we had a Zoom service uh, a couple weeks ago. And one of the, the members was on a bus. <laughs> and, and so she was having church on a New York City bus. And, uh, it, it can happen different. anywhere, folks. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I've been really blessed. I have a, a, a wonderful church family family here. You can, you know, feel the love anytime you walk in the doors or when you're on the Zoom service. And uh, without that core support group, I, I couldn't function here because I have so much mm -hmm. on my plate. And uh, it's really a, a family affair here. So it's it's terrific. So how has life changed for you in the last year? 
the main change really is being the the uh, minister here for church, because mm -hmm. the other minister who was here for 13 years retired, and uh, the board asked me to step up and take her take her place. So you know, every week I'm preparing lessons, and uh, it's really been a a blessing, because the way I approach it is I. I ask spirit for a, a, a title and then throughout the week these things are coming either on the internet or i'm reading something and they're all related to the title and it just wow. naturally falls together by uh saturday night and it's it's inspiring for myself because they say you teach what you need to learn first so oh, I think that's so true. When I study Wayne Dyer's life, I think that's exactly what he was doing. Yeah. He touched so many people, but I really feel like his method was he was a seeker. He was a student. He was a scholar. When he found something that worked for him, he wanted to share it with all of us. He wanted to, to put it into a format that was easy for us to receive and apply to our lives. So, yeah, you know, I think it's easy to look at him and think, oh, everything was easy and everything was perfect. And, you know, it's not like life has its challenges um, for everybody. And the reason why he taught what he taught is because he needed it too. Mm -hmm. and, and if you recall, the biggest lesson that he learned that really put him in the direction that he went in was when he had that moment of forgiveness at his, yes. father, at his father's gravesite. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that all of us, need to embrace is the uh, act of forgiveness. That's so. probably the thing that trips people up the most because yeah. um, they find it really hard to to forgive like like they think the other person does, doesn't deserve it, but then mm. you're not really doing it for them. I did a whole podcast episode on that story of um, what he called the most significant day of his life. Yes. Absolutely. And I think I titled it Wayne Dyer's Father. <laughs> and yeah, it was about that, how the series of synchronicities that led up to him at his father's grave in Biloxi, Mississippi. And he went there with anger. He was not planning on forgiving his father, but this moment of grace came over him and, and it changed the entire direction um, of his life. Exactly. And I think so many of us have moments like that. Mm -hmm. um, maybe the moment that you talk about in your awakening was something similar. And I always, um, I always refer to that as grace because I can't think of a, I can't think of a better word. It's almost like something that comes over you that that opens your heart and and brings you new clarity and new insight. Right. I mean, if you look at nine eleven, I could have a lot of ill feelings towards the the terrorist, and I, I really don't have that in my heart. Uh, you know, I, I, it's terrible that so many people perished that day, but mm -hmm. so much good has come of it. And um, I know I knew, you know, several people who, who died in those buildings. And um, while I'm sad by that, I'm also inspired by what came of it. So, uh, there was a massive wave of grief after 9-11, even for those who didn't know someone personally in there. And I think if you hold on to anger or you hold on to fear, it's just going to eat you up. Yeah. It's just going to eat you up. You, you know, it's, um, it's not the snake bite that kills you. It's the venom that continues to course through your veins. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, we have influence over that. We can, we can choose to work towards towards letting that go. I think that's important. Yeah, 
because it it reminds me of uh, I was going to share a story of even before I had my spiritual wake up. It was way back uh, nine year eight years prior, 1993. I was on a business trip in in Atlanta, and uh, Saturday night, and I said, "Well, what am I going to do?" I was single, 20 years younger. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, am I going to go out clubbing or am I going to go to bed and go to church the next morning? So I went to bed and I went to church the next morning. Mm -hmm. And I went to the Unity Church in Atlanta. And it was a week right after the Waco massacre. Did you remember oh, that? Oh, gosh, yes. Right? So the minister, his lesson was all about if you become the beast to beat the beast, then the beast has won. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what transpired in Waco. They, they didn't choose love. They, cho they chose to become the beast. And then the, the massacre happened thereafter. Um, so that I remembered, you know, all my life. But then after the service, they had a, um, a guest speaker who was doing a class on meditation. Uh, he was a guru in meditation. He's since passed. But I, I sat up front and I sat next to one of his uh, followers who, who kind of looked the part. You know, he had like a white robe on and a long beard and the long hair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, there was a meditation practice and I went through that. And to be honest, I, I didn't get that much from it. Uh, but I was setting the seeds, putting the seeds into, into place. And after his talk was done, the, the person next to me, the, his follower, stood up and I stood up and we embraced. And it wasn't like the usual, you know, bro embrace, you know, hey, have a good day. You know, we really <laughs> embraced and, and we mm -hmm. came head to head. And uh, he said words that I'll never forget. He said, you'll do great things. And uh, it took my breath away. And uh, I wanted to share that because I think so many people need to hear that, that mm -hmm. they'll do great things. I, I don't think yeah. we tell our kids, we don't tell each other how great we are and mm -hmm. that we have divinity. We have the divine spirit of love within us. And through that love, we can do great things. And so, so true. you know, you have those moments where people say things and you never forget them. And, and that was a moment. And I think lovepeery.com is just an expression of that greatness. People. And people serve as messengers in our life. Yeah. So, you know, I think we get that feeling sometimes somebody says something and it feels like this is important. Remember this. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I love it when people say, oh, I'll, I'll ne I never forget when you said that. And I was like, well, what did I say? I'll say it more. <laughs> <laughs> Let me write it down. <laughs> but, you know, I think we all have that seed of greatness in us. And I, mm -hmm. I really want us to celebrate that. And that's what the love period is all about, that seed of love. And, and the principles that I teach at Unity are really in alignment with Wayne Dyer's message. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we teach there's only one, one presence, one power active in our life. That's God, the good, omnipotent. And, and Dr. Dyer called that source, right? Yeah. It's, it's that one power that we all have. And then we all and that God is within you and not something outside that, of you. That, that's the yeah. second principle we teach. We all have that inherent divinity within us. And that's what he embraced. And then the, the, the third principle that we teach is thoughts held in mind 
create acts of like kind. And that's mm. as you think it, so it is. And that's right, yeah. right in alignment with his infamous quote, change the way you look at things and the things you look at will change. That's right. So it's all about the thoughts you hold in mind. And, and the, the fourth principle we, uh, we preach, or I preach, <laughs> is this uh, power in affirmative prayer. Mm. So affirmative prayer is, an, is uh, an affirmation is the three Ps. It's in the first person, it's positive, and it's in the present tense. Mm. So it's I am, and he loved I am. Right. Mm -hmm. I, yep. I am love. I am wisdom. I am. So you're not asking for or begging for, beseeching. You are affirming the truth that is happening right here in the present moment. And so affirmative prayer is that statement of faith that God is and I am. And if you embrace that and claim it to be true, it and the, the miracles, the miracle is happening right there. Mm -hmm. and you call it into being mm -hmm. as though it were already here. It is. Oh, yeah. Wayne Dyer definitely talked about that a lot. Louise Hay was also a great example. Um, not necessarily in a prayer format, but definitely in those affirmations. She did that same thing, you know, like the present tense. You're claiming it as though it's here already. Oh, Interestingly, one of my other mentors, Kyle Gray, who's another Hay House author, um, he left an impression on me because one of the first things I heard from him on Hay House Radio, that's how I discovered him, was he was talking about prayer and he's known as the angel guy or angel expert. And he was saying, you know, don't pray to the angels like, like if you're driving down the road and there's a storm and you're scared, don't say, angels, please deliver me home safely, right? Please let me be okay. Like, like, like you're begging. He said, no, you know, thank them, thank the angels and say, thank you angels for, del for delivering me home safely. Exactly. Thank you angels. I, I am safe. I am well, you know, right. and those messages are so powerful. Um, I love that you're teaching that at, at the Unity Churches. I know um, Wayne Dyer did a number of talks at different Unity Churches in the late 80s and early 90s. He was most welcome there. I think that's where he, um, he was kind of born as a spiritual teacher. Mm -hmm. um, he found his calling standing at those pulpits and he started to see himself as a spiritual teacher and it excited him so much because he hadn't seen himself that way before. Yeah. But the, the key is we're all ministers. Mm. So we minister to each other when, mm -hmm. when we recognize the truth within us. And the love that I express to you is really the love that I'm giving to myself because mm. you and I are one. We are all one. So, yep. um, and he, pre he preached that all the time, right? <laughs> Mm -hmm. For sure. And I like what you said about greatness, that we are, we are, we all have greatness in us. Mm -hmm. And it made me think about Wayne Dyer studied from Abraham Maslow. Mm -hmm. And Abraham Maslow is the one who talked about self-actualized people. But where Maslow and Dr. Dyer differed was Maslow thought it was just for a select few. 
like a few who reach the peak that it's not available to everybody. And Wayne thought, no, no, no. If one person can do it, anybody can do it. And that was the driving force of his whole career of why he wanted to write these books, because he really believed that we all we all had this in us. And so therefore, we needed to receive those messages to kind of remind us of who we are and what we're capable of. Yeah. But in truth, one has already done it. And since mm. one did it, we've all done it. So, because we're all one, so we're, we're just waking up to the to what already is. Yeah, and we can celebrate what what other people have done because we have done it, right? Like the that's that oneness. That's that. Exactly. Oh wow! Like, look at what people have are experiencing and accomplishing. Isn't it wonderful what we're doing? Yeah, and that and the other thing is that Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know the pyramid. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. It really should be inversed. Mm. So th- we should be seeking the top of the pyramid first. You know, as Jesus mm-hmm. said, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, heaven, and then all things will be added unto it. So w- we shouldn't be worried about the bottom of the pyramid where our food and our clothing and all that stuff and mm-hmm. all the incremental steps. We, we should just be focused, focused on the top. Start with spirit. Spirit's at the heart of everything. Exactly. So I love that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great message. <laughs> but we, we have it inverted and, and, and it causes a lot of problems. So. Mm. I could see that. And then you think that like, oh, it's something that's out there down the road, far away, that is not within reach, but it's really it's really foundation, foundation to who we are. It's already here. And mm. as he said, heaven is a state of mind. Mm-hmm. You get in that state of consciousness of your oneness. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about offering ministry online? Um, well, we do the Zoom services, mm-hmm. and we we put that out on our on our website and things like that. Um, but I think once COVID goes a- away, we're, we're going to be more online. We're going to have a more mm-hmm. online presence for sure. I just wanted to plant a seed <laughs> that people who aren't local yes. will really benefit from this message. And it's not that you're the only one who can give this message, yeah. but you are um, a great speaker ah, for for this truth. Mm-hmm. And however people can receive that, I, I know we're more online than ever. And we're kind of evolving with that and things that we didn't think we'd we'd be doing online, we are. And um, so, yeah, you might consider down the line, um, you know, putting little snippets or something on social media. People, you might help people find find their find their center. Absolutely, right? it's yeah. it's stepping stepping out of my comfort zone. And uh... oh, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. I think we're doing it today for the first time together. I, yes, we're doing it together. We're stepping out together. And it's funny because there's this there's this meme that goes around that's like, um, you know, shine your light so all the other weirdos can find you. Like, shine your weird light so all the other weirdos can find you. And I feel like I have met so many amazing people because I took the leap of being willing to be seen and talk about what I'm passionate about. And it's not natural for me. I'm an introvert. Um, you know, homebody with two little kids, but there's just something in me that like, there's this fire that I, I just feel called to, to move forward with. And, 
you know, they say if something excites you and scares you, you should probably do it. Yes. Um, there's probably exceptions to that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's like uh, but, Dr. Dyer when he was uh, pulled over on the Long Island Expressway and he was about to get his tenure as a yep. professor. And mm-hmm. he's like, I can't do this. <laughs> it, it doesn't feel right. And, and thank God he said no. Oh, I mean, what a huge risk he took. And if he hadn't been willing to follow that voice, if he hadn't been listening, Mm -hmm. if he just like ran everything through analyzing, um, we we wouldn't know who he was. Mm -hmm. You know, he he really got the word out there in a way that was unique. There'll never be a doc, another Dr. Wayne Dyer. Um, there's a lot of people doing great things. And like you said, we're all in this together. We're all one. Um, but yeah, I am really grateful for the Dharma, the big Dharma that he had, um, in this life. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're all unique expressions of that one presence. You know, Mm. it's like that thousand piece puzzle. You know, we're all that different little piece that makes the puzzle complete. And uh, Something that was interesting to me in the last year is realizing just how connected we are on a global level. Mm-hmm. And funny little thing like a virus can really show you how connected we all are. You know, it's like one virus can travel around the whole planet. And I never imagined I'd see something that would basically shut everything down around the world and that we would all be having um, so many parallels of experience. Obviously, it's a little bit different for everybody. But um, I mean, we're so connected. We're so connected. And then it pushed us all online. Um, So even though we're socially distancing, um, in some ways, we're connecting deeper than ever. And I think we're we're reviving, we're getting in touch with our appreciation for that connection with other people and that when it becomes safe again for us to embrace each other and commune in spaces together and visit each other's homes, I think I think we're going to treasure that maybe more than ever. Yeah. No, I'm blessed with my job. I Pre-COVID, I would travel all around the world and I'd go to some countries that people would be a little skeptical you know, be, be on guard, have your antennas up. But mm-hmm. I never f- felt any fear in any of these countries I've gone to. I put my love shirt on and I go wherever I go. And mm. and everyone I meet has the same desire. Mm-hmm. We all have that same innate desire to know thyself and to, to express love. And everyone's been warm and generous to me wherever I go. And uh, it's... Even pre-COVID, I had a practice. I, I worked in New York City, and um, when I'd work, I'd walk to work every morning. I had a practice of looking at people in the eye and smiling mm-hmm. them as I'm walking past hundreds of people on my 20-minute walk from the train station to the office. And it was a, a blessing every morning to just interact with the people and smile and people be waving at me and, and asking, do I know you? And, <laughs> and, and, and so many people that I came to know through that practice was just a blessing in itself. So, um, it, we, f- we find what we look for, right? Yeah. What, what you're focused on expands. I remember Wayne Dyer telling this story about someone who was like, um, oh, we just moved here and, you know, I don't know if we're going to like it. What are the people like in this city? And and I, 
I think they were talking to Wayne, and Wayne's like, well, what are the people like where you came from? Exactly. Oh, they're really nasty, and, you know, <laughs> people are really mean. And he's like, yeah, you'll pretty much find the same thing here. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about what's there. Everything is there. It's about what you're looking for. It's about it's about what you see. I think it's so funny what you said that you can wear one of these love shirts and it's hard to be anything but love yeah. because I'm picturing somebody like trying to yell at someone at the grocery store or something wearing a love shirt and be like, mm, no, I don't think so. Maybe I should. Maybe I should hold back. Road rage. Yeah. yeah. Which. Yeah, it's a nice little reminder. Well, um, a couple years back, even before no. Yeah, even before Love Period, uh, I did a 21-day practice where every day, you at the end of the day, you had to examine how you uh, acted during the day. And if you mm. did anything that offended someone or was hurtful, you had to make amends for it immediately the next day. Um, it's, it's like a... What's the purpose for that? Is it so you don't carry it forward? The purpose is, the, the name of the practice was called The Eye of the Storm. So it's it's being that presence, that power, wherever you are. And if you're not living up to that, then to make amends and to begin to, to walk in your presence instead of walking in your ego self where you can mm -hmm. be offended and, and, and derailed. So I was at a, a grocery store with my son and I was being a little... Uh, flip with the cashier and and she, she didn't respond the way I I expected to her to and I responded to her in a negative way and um, as I'm walking it's like Wayne Dyer when he was peeing in, in Greece right mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm walking home and I'm like I have to make amends and my son says dad you know everyone makes mistakes it's like no I have to go back and make amends and so I went back and I apologized to that, uh, that cashier. And I thought it was, it was great for myself, but I thought it was even a greater lesson for my son to see that we have to take responsibility. Modeling that, yeah. Yeah, so mm -hmm. that 21-day treatment makes you more aware of your words, your actions, your thoughts, and mm. makes you more responsible. So... Um, now, I saw that you had something on the loveperiod.com website that mm -hmm. says 21 days of love. Is that the same practice? Uh, that's similar. But as they say, uh, it takes 21 days to, to uh, change a new habit, so they say. Mm -hmm. I, I mm -hmm. think it's probably double that. But um... <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with 21 and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. So the idea is to practice love for 21 days, and that way it becomes more ingrained and natural in your day-to-day -day practices mm -hmm. and and so the same thing was in the uh, eye of the storm practice is 21 days of self-reflection every day and mm -hmm. making amends for anything that wasn't in alignment with love and peace uh, on your day-to-day -day journey that sounds like it could be really powerful it, it actually makes me think about a course in miracles mm. are you a student of a course in miracles as well i i do read it i that's part of my reading in the morning. I get uh, mm. the lessons on my phone. And yeah. uh, it's the terrific part about that is many times I'm preparing my lesson for the week and I'll get the lessons on my phone and they're perfectly in alignment with what I'm sharing. Of course. Synchronicity. <laughs> yeah. 
So I, I love that reinforcement that the, the course brings. Mm -hmm. uh, so Yeah, I actually discovered it because of Wayne Dyer. I kept hearing him quote from it. And I was like, what is this? Is this a, a, a online course? Like, do I need a textbook? Like, what is the Course in Miracles? Right? Because yeah. he always says a student of a Course in Miracles. And then one year, I um, I decided to dive in and I, I studied with Holly Holden, which is Robert Holden's wife. Okay, yeah. Um, Presence of Love. I uh, sent him shirts. Group. I sent him shirts. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's great. I love him. Um, and his wife is fantastic, too. And, and they have kids that are um, not that much older than mine. So I really kind of, um, I feel in alignment with her her daily her daily posts she was doing and stuff. But, um, but yeah, A Course in Miracles. It's something that you, you don't really get for, through your mind. You get it through your heart. Mm -hmm. And it's these things that you have to sit with. But for anyone who hasn't checked it out, um, it's worth looking into. I also highly recommend using a, a study group to to learn more about it yeah the, the, now the, on the language in the so, course of miracles is challenging for many people so you, it's kind of like old testament like you're you're trying to almost um or shakespeare right <laughs> where you're you're trying to translate it a little bit in your head like what is the meaning here so if you're if you're having kind of a daily discussion with other people about what does this mean? And, and, you know, giving your, yourself time, even if you can't quite grasp it, just giving yourself time to sit with it and you might just get something from it that yeah. wasn't expected. Well, yeah. One little point I'll make, even on the, uh, the Old Testament, the mm -hmm. language in there is very challenging for most people, uh, even for myself. And what mm -hmm. I find that helps bring it to, to light is in Unity, we have a thing called the Metaphysical Bible Dictionary. And it has all the terms and the places that are within the Bible. And so as I'm reading it, I use the metaphysical Bible dictionary, which tells you what the places and things represent in consciousness. So it, it's not taking it literally, but taking it uh, spiritually. And I think that brings more light and love to it. So, uh, and it's the same thing with the Course in Miracles. Yeah little different take on it. Now, I've heard about Christian mysticism, and I wonder if there's some overlap with that and unity. Well, it, they say the founders, uh, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, was over 100 years ago. They, mm -hmm. they say they were, uh, Charles especially, was a, a mystic. So um, mm. it's hard to deny if that he wasn't because some of the materials and, and that he he's put to get put together. Uh, I mm -hmm. couldn't see anybody who wasn't a mystic not doing that. So uh, <laughs> you, you know the interpretations of the Bible from a metaphysical standpoint, it, it takes someone in a, a different mindset for sure. And yeah. I think it's it's tuning into that Christ consciousness and allowing that to speak through you. And mm -hmm. and he spent hours every day in meditation. You know, four to five hours and uh, he would work through the night he they say he only uh, slept a couple hours every night and oh gosh so <laughs> I couldn't function yeah that's not that's not my calling my calling would look a little different it would have to have sleep at night <laughs> right and his wife was equally right there she she knew the power in prayer and mm -hmm. their whole ministry started out as a healing ministry the healing mm -hmm. power of prayer and they they still do it if you if you know the 
Daily Word publication. Um, yeah, Richard Rohr. No, this is a, a different one that Unity puts out. Oh, okay. And um, they have a 24-7 prayer vigil uh, group hmm. that you can call them anytime for prayers. And uh, they get, I, I think, millions of prayer calls every year. Mm-hmm. So uh, it just reaffirms the, the power of affirmative prayer and, and all the uh, so-called miracles, you know, Miracles are not abnormal. They are the norm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Wayne Dyer used to say, expect miracles, right? Right. So yeah. if you get into that prayerful consciousness, you know, expect miracles. So, so most people that um, identify as spiritual don't attend a church service. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like with unity, there's a lot of overlap um, about that, you know, God being within you and not something outside of you. So... I'm curious what what you might say is the difference between having, say, a solo spiritual practice or participating in a unity church service. I think they reinforce each other, and I and I think unity supports that solo practice because the uh, fifth principle, which I didn't go over, is the five. Mm, there's more. Yeah. <laughs> the fifth principle is it's nice to know that there's only one power, one presence, and you are divine, and you know what you think you bring about, uh, and, and the power of affirmative prayer. The fifth principle is you have to practice. Mm. If you don't mm-hmm. put it into practice, then what good is it? So, you know, church is only is a state of consciousness. Mm-hmm. But growing up, you know, I went to church for an hour and I, I called it the double door syndrome. When you walk through the double doors, then mm-hmm. church was uh, a thing in the past. And then you're back to your same old, same old. <laughs> and, and that's why I, I didn't go to retreats for many years, because I growing up, I belonged to a church group and my friends would go on these retreats. And they they come out of the retreat saying, "Oh, I love Jesus! I love Jesus!" And then two weeks later, they're doing the same old, same old. <laughs> so I yeah. Like, so it, you really have to take responsibility for your own thoughts, your own actions, and put it into mm-hmm. practice. And that's, I think, the difference between Unity and many other um, groups is that they encourage you to practice. Mm-hmm. And and it's not a moment of prayer. It's a life of prayer. Mm. So, you know, prayer is communion with God. So if you can stay in communion with God, as we are right here, you know, we're having mm-hmm. a prayerful moment. Yeah, right? I feel it. Yeah. So uh, every moment when you're with your kids, you're having a prayerful moment. When my kids were probably young like yours, you know, when they were in bed, I would pray over them. I'd hold my hands over them and you could feel I could feel if they had a good day or not such a good day. And I would stay with yeah. them. I'd stay with them until I felt a release. And then I, I could go to sleep myself. So. It's energy work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a very spiritual thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think that um, 
we're not limited to five senses. I know we're not limited to five senses. Um, that energy is in everything and energy is information. And so I think we're picking up things about people and situation and places all the time that we don't always, we're not always aware of, or we don't give ourselves credit for like that feeling actually coming from a real place and not just something you imagined, um, in your head. And, that's an important part of my life. Um, but that communion with God, I like what you said about that. It made me think about when I was a little girl and I was raised pretty conservative, um, but I had a very sort of loose personal connection to God. Like I, I feel blessed that I wasn't taught that he was this punisher in the sky or or if I was, I didn't believe that part because that wasn't that wasn't my experience of it. Um, and so I remember being taught, well, when you pray to God, just talk to him. Just talk to him like he's your friend and he's going to listen, right? right? And I remember being in my bed at night and I shared a room with my two sisters. I'm the baby of the family. And I remember like praying to God and like I wouldn't necessarily have anything to say, but I would feel his presence. Mm. And I, you know... I would feel that and it would just, it would, it would bring me peace. I felt sort of this comforted blanket of love and I wouldn't end the prayer, you know, like <laughs> you're supposed to say amen, but I didn't want to. So I would sort of like leave him on the call, right? And fall asleep <laughs> with him there. That's nice. And um, <laughs> it's funny because I had this moment later in life, right? There was a lot of exploration um, about you know, what religion was right for me or what did I believe or what or what felt true to me. And um, I really like the idea of being in a community of others who are fostering good deeds and taking care of each other and, you know, how to live a good life. And, and I think that church can offer that for a lot of people. But I never found one that I could be like 100%, like I'm all in, I believe everything you're saying, right. you know. And so I, I landed in spirituality, which is a little bit nondescript, but more of this kind of personal experience um, mm -hmm. that you're talking about here. But in the process, like everybody's talking about the universe and source and all that. And I think we avoid using the word God because it's such a painful trigger for so many people that have experienced trauma related to that, genuine trauma. And... Um, so I sort of didn't know what to do with that God that I grew up with. Mm. But there's something so sweet and so pure about thinking about that little girl praying at night, knowing that he was listening. And I used to pray for cats and they would show up at our house. <laughs> <laughs> we got two or three cats that way. Nice. Sorry, mom. Um, but yeah, I, to I totally <laughs> believed. Absolutely. I still do. But it's almost like I had to sort of bring that piece back in mm. that like I didn't have to let go of that understanding or that sort of personal fatherly loving experience of God mm -hmm. um, just because I was into spirituality now. And yeah. I think that's a tough path for a lot of people. Like, like there's things that we liked about maybe how we were raised, but or the religion that we grew up in, but then other things don't feel right. And we have to kind of, sometimes we come full circle, but we got to, we got to find our own path. Yeah. But, you know, through the years, we put so many layers and layers and layers on top of that innocent girl who knew mm -hmm. the presence and the power. And now we're just pulling those layers off and revealing mm -hmm. that, that innocent, loving child of God that's, has never left. 
right? The presence and the mm-hmm. power is is within you. Yeah, it's, it's undoing all that conditioning and all that baggage and all those yeah. things that we kind of hold on to and don't let go of that aren't really us. Like Dr. Yeah. Dr. Dyer liked uh, the quotes from Rumi. He says, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, your job is not to become more loving. Your job is to identify those things that are not of love and to remove those blockages. Yeah, So it's true. It sounds so simple. Mm. But it's probably the most gut-wrenching inner work that we do is removing those barriers to love. And so much of it is self-love, um, self-worth. You know, how do you see yourself is is how is is what you're able to let in. Mm-hmm. That people could love you to pieces. You could, you could have abundance flowing in your life, but you're not going to feel it. You're not going to receive it. You're not going to recognize it if you're closed off to it. So. That's, that's the way we've been conditioned since sixth grade (laughs) with my first heartbreak (laughs) you Mm. you know i was conditioned that i got love from something outside of myself from that seeking approval that that girl in sixth grade that i had a a crush on you know that that was (laughs) one of the stories i won't use her name but i i I went to my sixth grade class uh and i was leaving one afternoon to go home and there was a note in my desk and it said, oh, Charlie, I want to go out with you. And I had a cr- big crush on this girl. And I went home and I'm all excited and elated. And then I came back to school the next morning and there was a note in my desk. Charlie, I want to break up with you. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but ah, that's how we were. Easy come, easy go. That's how we were. <laughs> but that's how we were conditioned. That love was yeah. something that can hurt us. And mm. it's the farthest thing from the truth. Love is natural and something that we express. We should be expressing naturally, and it, it's nothing you lose. It's it's all as you give, so you receive. It's a mm-hmm. it's a net net win. You open the floodgates. Yeah. It is in giving that we receive. Yeah. yeah, it brings me to a quote on your website. <laughs> I'd like to share. Okay. <clears throat> says, um, there is only one presence and one power in the universe and in our lives, love. Our mission at loveperiod.com is to be a constant reminder that love is all there is. In truth, there is only one story in our lives which has been written upon our hearts since the beginning of time, and it is love, period. Mm. Yeah. As it says in the Bible, I have loved you with an everlasting love since the beginning of time. Hmm. Hard to beat that. So, so um, what's the best way for people to reach you? Uh, they can the, they can link through the website. There's an email address there, mm-hmm. and actually my phone number's on that, <laughs> on that website, so they will get my cell phone. Believe it or not, so uh, and uh, they could also get me through the church, <laughs> which is okay. you know Unity Church of Christianity in Valley Stream, New York. You know, I think I saw a picture that you posted on the Facebook group around Christmas time. It was like a Christmas card from your family, and you were all wearing the shirts. And I was like, right. oh, I love that. <laughs> and it took me a second to realize that, like, you were the one that was behind all of that. And I just yeah. thought I just thought you all loved the shirts. So I was like, wait a minute. There's <laughs> something more here. And it, um, it's, yeah. it's so, such a blessing when I, I people pay, uh, post pictures of themselves with the, with the shirts on from all over mm-hmm. the place, you know, it, it tickles me to say the least. And uh, yeah, I even saw, well, I was watching another PBS show about cancer 
and mm. I saw this young girl in, in a, a hospital in New York City, and she was wearing the, the shirt. And I was like, dang, you know, there's there's lot lots to be uh, served there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's touching hearts for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if you're interested in checking out uh, one of these shirts for yourself or learning more about Reverend Charles Foley, you can go to loveperiod.com. I'd like to leave everyone today with one more quote from your website, and that is the daily love resolution. Mm-hmm. Today I will see only love, hear only love, think only love, speak only love, pray only love, and be only love in all things. I deeply and completely love myself. My heart is filled with unconditional love. I am one with the spirit of love. I am blessed and I am a blessing to all. And so it is. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nadi. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a real honor to have a chance to speak with you. I do think that we might see some ministry from you online in the future. I'm going to keep my eyes out for that. I'll stretch myself. Um, Thank you. <laughs> that might be that might be the next thing. And even if it's just you know a couple minute video, right? And mm-hmm. feel free to share that um, in the in the Facebook group, Wayne Dyer Wisdom Community. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for coming on today and spending this time with me. My my pleasure. For all our listeners, thank you for following Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life and telling your friends about it. If you'd like to connect with my guest today, you can find him at loveperiod.com. To learn more about this podcast, get links to the Facebook community or to send me a message, please visit nadiadelacruz.com. I love getting feedback from our incredible audience. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, take care of yourself and take care of each other. Namaste. Namaste.